Our reading this morning is the book of Philemon. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints, and I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you, I do what is required, yet, for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel, but I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even your own uh, own self. Yes, brother, I... I want, to, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the, at the time, prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. It's good to be able to share with you folk again today. And I just want to alert everybody that after the service, I need to dash. We've got a really important um, church meeting at my home church, so apologies for that, but I need to get back to Brisbane North Side and, and everything. So that's why I'm leaving. It's not that I have a problem with anybody. Just I really enjoy coming along and sharing with you folk, but just wanted you to know that's why I'll be ducking out uh, relatively quickly afterwards. Let's pray together. 
Father, we want to praise and thank you for the reality of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes, Father, having grown up in at least what was a nominally Christian country, in a at least nominally Western hemisphere, we can come to take the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ for granted. Now, Lord, as we face days in which things are changing, we pray that you would reassure us, Lord, of the of the truth and the reality and the validity and the impact of the gospel of Jesus. And today, Lord, as we take a look at the life of Onesimus, perhaps, Lord, a simple reminder of the power of the gospel in the life, in this case, of one man. But a reality, Lord, that has repeated itself throughout history And even today, Lord, will repeat itself again and again and again. And so, Father, whether it is the reminding that we need or the encounter with the truth of the gospel, we pray, Father, by Holy Spirit, that you would minister to us as only you are able. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that has really struck me over the last few years, and as I've already reflected in my prayer, is that, in a sense, it is relatively easy to be Christian if we are living in a society that is at least based on broad Christian principles or that has a nominal Christianity. And the reality that we're facing in in the large part of the Western world is that that is changing. That, That primacy, even assumed in many ways, of the Christian faith is fading rapidly. Remember just a little while ago, for example, reading that it's something like 20, 25% maximum, I don't want to overstate it, of weddings that now take place in a church. And by that, I, by in a church, I don't mean in a church building. I mean in a Christian setting. Increasingly, when it comes to funerals, people are not making use of ministers of religion. They are looking for other people, particularly so-called civil celebrants, to lead those funeral services. And we've seen how, you know, there there was a time in which even if people never went to church, they were probably there on Easter Sunday and on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Even that has changed. Uh, Certainly Easter weekend has declined significantly. Christmas probably hangs in there a little bit more because it's the big family event and, and all those sorts of things. But the reality is we are living in a society in which there is no longer the assumption of the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I was saying to some of my students just this past week that when I was a young person, I essentially had one religious choice or spiritual choice. It was, do I accept Jesus or don't I? That was pretty much the sum total of my spiritual choice. And I I appreciate that there may be some folk in the congregation this morning for whom your experience was different because you grew up in a different cultural context or setting. But for many of us, that that was the spiritual choice. 
we were told about Jesus, and the question was, do I accept him or don't I? That has changed. Our young people, particularly in our schools, are more and more encountering schoolmates who come from different parts of the world, from different cultures, and from different religious and spiritual backgrounds. And all of this to say to us that it's important that we remind ourselves of the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ to impact people's lives. And in the story of Onesimus, we find an example of this truth. Because we find an Onesimus, as he's revealed to us through this letter that Paul writes to Philemon, who was first a useless man. After his encounter with the gospel, he changes and becomes a valuable or a valued man. You see, the first thing we discover about Onesimus is that in common with many in his day, he was a slave. We don't know anything more about his roots, which part of the Roman Empire he may have come from, um, under what circumstances he became a slave. We don't know, but we do know that he was a slave in the Roman Empire. And unlike a lot of the South America, uh, southern United States slavery, by and large, slaves in the Roman Empire were treated relatively well. There were some whose lives were hell on earth, some that were sent to work in the brutality of mines and the like. But overwhelmingly, slaves would tend to work in a household where they would generally be fed clothed, given shelter, and as I've said, relatively well treated. But that never changed the reality that they were in complete bondage to their master. So they were well treated, broadly, but they were still in bondage. Slavery, on some occasions, could be a lifelong reality, but in many cases, after having served a certain number of years, 5, 10, 15, or 20, as a slave, they had the option to be freed. That said, as much as this was not the worst place to find yourself, bondage is still bondage. And, and I remember years ago grappling with this um, criminal um, punishment called house arrest. And I always thought, that's such a soft option. You know, people have gone out, they've committed a crime, and they're placed under house arrest. That is so soft. Well, after COVID, I have to say, I think it must be terrible. <laughs> you know, with COVID, we kind of had, for some of us at least, house arrest. You know, remember there was that time when if you got sick, even if... Um, no one else in the family was sick. Everybody had to stay at home. And I remember in some parts of the world, it was like six and eight weeks. And you were not allowed to go anywhere, and you were totally dependent on other people. And, and I suddenly began to realize that I don't think house arrest is that good. 
Because, you know, you've still got those parameters. Yeah, yeah, you can walk around the garden and you can watch TV and you can probably get takeout delivered and everything, but you were still restricted. And you still had those limits. You still have other people deciding what it is that you can do. And as we know during COVID, not everybody obeyed the rules. And we probably all have friends who shared their little sneaky, sly trick about what they did, you know, and how they managed to do this. And when they got stopped, they said that. You know, there was that sense in which it, it was similar to that of slaves. Relatively well treated. You know, in Australia, we still pretty much have the privilege. You know, we've probably got a friend who can go and buy stuff or we can do something online. But we may have read some of those stories of some folk in certain communities for whom that was not an option and how painful and hard it was for them. But that's the nature of having been a slave. And so within the groups of slaves, not everybody obeyed the rules. And one of the worst things a slave could do would be to run away. If you ran away, you were in trouble. Not only that, some slaves were really not the best. And it seems as if Onesimus was possibly a group of, amongst a group of slaves who were reputed for being lazy and good for nothing. In verse 11, Paul says of Onesimus, um, formerly he was useless to you. And I guess variously in our lives and our workplace experiences and everything, we may have had that time in which we worked with somebody. To be quite frank, they were useless. I remember I worked as an air traffic controller in the South African Air Force. And at one stage, there were 20 of us working in the control tower at the airbase I was at. And the reason for that was six of us were rookies. We were in our last stage of training. And as soon as we'd qualified, a whole lot of the others were going to be posted out. And I still remember the, the um, control tower worked in had three main positions. And one of the guys working one of the positions is sitting there. It was a quiet day. And an aircraft calls up, and he's supposed to speak to him. And he's got his feet up, he's got his hands behind his head. And he says, I don't feel like talking to him. And he just sits there and he doesn't talk to him. So eventually I grabbed the mic and did what needed to be done. But, you know, I had that sense of, like, it's your job. You're in that position at the moment, but you are just useless. And, and he spent most of his life trying to get out of stuff and doing as little as he possibly can. And often those of us around him, because we were proud of our job and what we were doing, would step in. You know, this, and, and this seems to be what Onesimus was. He, he really was a useless slave. And then, very apparently, he runs away. And verse 15, Paul says to Philemon, perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a while. And so we've got a slave who was useless, which is often a reflection of one's own character and quality, who has run away. And as I say, there were few worse things that a slave could do. And very often, if they were captured, they were subject to the harshest of punishments. And so we have an Onesimus who seems to be useless, and on top of that, he has run away. 
It seems as if, though, that's not all. Because in verses 19 and 20, Paul says to Philemon, If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me, I will pay it back. And it seems unusual that Paul would make the offer if he wasn't aware that Onesimus probably did owe him something. So perhaps he was a useless runaway who was also a thief. Perhaps he was just criminally minded. Perhaps he thought um, Philemon owed him something. But it's pretty apparent that he probably stole something. So what we've got here is a bad slave, a runaway, and possibly a thief. You know, can you imagine Onesimus trying to apply for a job? You know, I am a bad slave, I'm a runaway, and, oh, you know, my, my, my master accuses me of theft. And, you know, if you were to read his CV, what you would see is big trouble and a waste of time. Certainly not the kind of person that we want to hire to work in our home or in our garden. In fact, Onesimus was possibly one of those people that we would prefer to have nothing to do with. And yet, the reason Philemon would be concerned about him is because Philemon would probably have had to pay for him. There would have been some form of payment. So I've paid for you, but you are useless. I cannot even... You know, it's it sometimes, you know, you get out there, you buy that product, and occasionally, fortunately, I've, I've not had that experience, touch the proverbial wood, um, of buying the car that is the total dud. I saw, I think it was a week or two ago, this poor young girl. She'd saved up some money, bought a car, I think it was a girl, it might have been a guy, um, and had almost literally driven it down the road, and the thing set alight. You know, save the money faithfully, buys this car, believing that it's reliable, barely gets home, standing next to the road watching this car burn out. You know, so Philemon would have bought Onesimus thinking, I've got another good slave, and it was just that dud. So this is who we've got. Onesimus the dud. However, Onesimus runs away from his master and somehow meets up with the imprisoned Paul in Rome. In a way in which we will never know the detail, God takes this dud, useless Onesimus and his obedience and uses it in an amazing way. You know, you, you almost want to say, of all the people Onesimus could land up meeting with, Paul. Paul in the city of Rome, almost certainly under what we would refer to, in his case, house arrest, somehow crosses paths with Onesimus. And as Onesimus runs away from the home of Philemon, as he runs down to Rome, he's going to disappear in the crowds, potentially. He meets up with Paul. And this useless slave will become one that Paul in verse 10 refers to as my son. My son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. And you know, even today, 
if you are not the biological parent of some male, some guy, to refer to them as, oh, he, he, he's, even if we say he's like my son, or he's a son to me, it reflects a deep sense of relationship. Um, one of the women that I've coached netball with, there is a young girl that she's kind of almost literally taken into her home. And she said to me, I said to her the one day, who is she? And she said, oh, she's like a daughter to me. Didn't quite use the language of my daughter, but she's like a daughter to me. And we know the minute we use that kind of language, we're talking about an intimacy. This dud, this useless man, this runaway, this perhaps thief, is the one that Paul is prepared to designate my son. Something has happened in the life of Onesimus that enables Paul to speak to him that, that way. And the change was that he was no longer a useless slave, but a brother in Christ. In verse 16, Paul says, he is no, no longer treat him as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. You know, one of the things that Paul couldn't change because of the enormity was the slave-master system in the Roman Empire. He couldn't change it. You know, some commentators and some people criticize Paul because he never condemned slavery out aloud, as it were. But the reality is Paul did what he could. And that was to say to Christian believers, yes, there may be masters and yes, there may be slaves, but you treat them as brothers and sisters. He said, in the midst of the system, treat them as brothers and sisters. I, I remember when I was in the military, I was a lieutenant in rank, and my, the guy overseeing me at that stage was a captain, which is one officer rank higher. And, and I remember he and I developed a really, really good relationship. And I would, because I was in the military context, I'd still refer to him as captain. He was still my boss. But the way I referred to him as captain was way more than an acknowledgement of his rank. It almost became his personal name for me to use in relation to him. So that I, I, I could honor the system, but use it in a way that said, we don't simply have a relationship of boss and subordinate. And that's what Paul does do. When Paul says to the church, when he says to the masters and the slaves to treat each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, he says, we're not tossing over the system, but we're going to change the nature of the relationship. And that's why occasionally in his letters, he, he will say to masters, this is how you need to treat your slaves. He will say to slaves, this is how you are to relate to your masters. Can't change the system, but we can change the way in which we relate. We can change the attitudes that we may have toward one another. And Onesimus moves from being a slave to Philemon to being one in which Paul says, treat him 
as a brother. He may still be your slave, but that is not the primary relationship. The primary relationship is brother in Christ. And we need to affirm this morning that this was made possible in Christ alone. We know the change and radical change like this is not possible in our own strength. And we may have in our lives come across folk, you know, who got involved in, in say, a life of crime, and they determined to break out of it, and, and how hard it is. And for many people, practically impossible to do. And what has happened in Onesimus is because of the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul had dedicated his life to sharing that gospel with as many people as possible. And, you know, we can read the book of Acts. We can read Paul's letters. And we can get an, a glimpse of a lot of his ministry. But I'm pretty convinced this morning that there was a whole lot more. People whose paths he crossed, families he might have come across, just stories untold that just couldn't fit into a New Testament or into a book of Acts or into a letter. Paul shared the gospel. Paul wanted people to know the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we can be very sure today that as Paul crossed paths with Onesimus, however that was, he would have shared that gospel with him. And so the change in the life of Onesimus is nothing less than a miracle of the grace of God. So we had Onesimus, this useless dud slave, who's now a brother, and all that has changed is the reality of his encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. A decisive moment in his life where God encountered him and made the change. And of course, as a changed man, Paul would say to Onesimus, Onesimus, part of what you've got to do is you've got to go back to your master. Onesimus may well have been very fearful, as we've already commented, because in terms of the norms of the day, all he could expect was extremely harsh punishment. It wasn't the easiest thing to do, but it was the right thing to do. And very often when we do have an encounter with Jesus Christ in the light of the reality of the gospel, it's not always about easy things. It's about the right thing to do. Perhaps the, the most significant experience I personally had of this, and it's a story I don't often share, um, I had worked with somebody and for a variety of reasons, there'd been a falling out and he'd left the place we were working. But we were in the same church, and we had actually never dealt with it, to be quite honest. And I was leading the service one Sunday morning, including communion. And I just felt the Lord saying to me through the week, Charles, you cannot stand up front and lead in communion when this is happening between you and him. So I said to the Lord, okay, Lord, before the service, I'll have a look if he's there, and, and I'll go and speak to him, and we'll sort it out in inverted commas. So I go out about three minutes before the service, and I'm looking, and I'm thinking, oh, thank goodness he's not here. Oh, thank goodness. All right? 
So I walk up to the front and I turn around and I look at the back of the church and you were sitting there. And I just knew the Lord had said to me, Charles, you cannot lead in communion if you do not make right with them. But of course, now I've got a problem. The service has started. And I literally just, I knew it was the right thing to do. It was not the easy thing to do. I actually asked him to come up front and in, in a very brief explanation told the congregation the situation. And he and I started the process of reconciliation right then and there. It, it wasn't easy. It was hard. It was, and, and, and my, I mean, my legs turned to jelly when I saw him. But I knew what I had to do. I knew what the Lord had told me to do that week. Now, I'm not recommending we do it every Sunday. But it's much more just an example of what it means to come to faith. That sometimes it's not the easy thing to do afterwards, but there are the right things to do. And so Paul sends Onesimus back to Philemon. And really, I've just got a, a final point that I wrote down here on that section. I said, if change is real, then change is demonstrated. And that's really what Paul is saying. He's saying, Onesimus, I believe this is real. I will call you my son. But you need to demonstrate that. You need to go back to Philemon. And so our final point is that Onesimus, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, now becomes a man of value. I didn't mention this earlier deliberately, but Onesimus, the name Onesimus means useful or profitable. And he certainly hadn't been that. He hadn't. But now in the light of the gospel, he is extremely useful and incredibly profitable. So much so that Paul's message to Philemon is, would you send him back to me to support me and to help me? It must have brought, brought great joy to Philemon to find this once useless slave, now a valuable man. The rest of the story we do not know. But we can rest assured that Onesimus was now a man of value. Verses 12 and 13, Paul says these words of him. I am sending him, Onesimus, who is my very heart. And that's, that's deep back to you. I would like to keep him with me so that he could take your place. It seems that Philemon had been giving a certain kind of support to Paul in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. And we know that Paul had set a high standard for his ministry and for those who minister with him. But it's important to realize and to reaffirm that what happened in Onesimus happened because of the power of the gospel. And you and I may encounter people that we look at and we say, it is never going to happen. In the early part of COVID, at one stage, I got COVID on top of a whole lot of other illness and everything, and I was grumpy at home and Went back onto Facebook, which I stayed on for about three months and then came off again. I can't do that Facebook thing. But one of the consequences was that I became part of a WhatsApp group of my grade 12 school class. 
And you know, one of the things that just has blown my mind are the people in that group who are openly followers of Christ. And I look at some of them and think, I never thought it would be you. Oh, yeah, yeah, you are kind of, yeah, I can see that. But I never thought it would be you. I also at that time made contact with some of the guys that I had done air traffic control with. And I know a lot of their backstories, you know, things happen in the military. And they have become openly confessing followers of Jesus Christ. It's all about the gospel. And as one commentator says, Christianity knows nothing of hopeless cases. It professes its ability to take the most crooked stick and bring it straight, to flash a new power into the blackest carbon, which will turn it into a diamond. We can learn from Onesimus. We can learn that nobody is beyond the power and the reach and the work of God by Holy Spirit in the name of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who could have imagined when Onesimus ran away that that's what would have happened? You know, the story of Newton who wrote Amazing Grace. You know, he's involved in the slave trade. He's an alcoholic. And he becomes enslaved himself. And at the depths of a ship, in his most pitiful of circumstances, it is there that God encounters this man. And then he's the one who goes on and writes one of the most sung Christian songs of all time. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. No one is beyond the gospel. And I just want to encourage us today in a changing society and in a changing world where we may feel more and more sidelined, slant oppressed, slant persecuted, slant mocked, whatever it may be, that nothing changes the reality of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Onesimus, the useless, duds, thieving, runaway slave, becomes a son in the heart of Paul because of the power of the gospel. And so even as, we, as, as I finish off, maybe there's somebody right now that you are thinking of, thinking, yeah, I guess I kind of saw them as one of those people. Let's just close in prayer. And I'm going to ask, will you think while we're praying of that person? Maybe it's one, maybe there's more than one. But as I pray, will you just think of that person? Let's pray. Father, we do live in a world in which it seems as if there is an increasing rejection of the reality of the Christian faith and the power of the gospel. We pray, Lord, that by Holy Spirit you would quietly remind us today that the changing power of the gospel endures forever. And amongst us today, Lord, as we're thinking of some people, Lord, that we may even have to confess that we sometimes think are beyond the reach of the gospel, that nobody is. And Lord, if it's all we can do, help us to keep praying for them. If it's all we can do, help us share a kind word or an encouragement with them. And if it's all we can do, Lord, help us to share the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Because nobody is beyond your reach. 
And Lord, perhaps now more than ever, we as your people ask that by Holy Spirit, you will keep us strong in the certainty of the changing power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to that, Lord, we commit ourselves and ask your blessing upon us in Jesus' name. Amen.